From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Interviews, news, and views. You're listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, well, welcome back to another big week of State of the Nation. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. Here's hoping you had a big weekend. And here's hoping Hesher had a big weekend. Brian McLean, Hesher, is broadcasting live from Central Texas. Hello, Hesh. How are you, brother? Happy Monday, hey, I'm man. I'm great. Yeah, yeah, you too. It's good to see you and good to be here on today's News Talk for another week of State of the Nation. Looking forward to it. we got some big shows lined up this week and a big show today, Steve. They're all big, man. They're all big. But, you know, I, I must say that uh, some big news has been going down. It always is, though, isn't it? We've got a pretty lucky gig here because with this administration, there's always breaking news, uh, and uh, this is no different. You heard, no doubt, about the uh, the drone attack uh, that killed three servicemen uh, this this past weekend from a, a, an Iran proxy. Well, now more details on this are coming out. Actually, this is the kind of story that scares me because this is this is the kind of crap that leads to mission creep. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that leads to, uh, you know, wars. So here's the story. Uh, this is according to Fox News, but it's been reported all over the place. U.S. official confirmed to Fox that the drone from an Iranian proxy that killed three American service members in Jordan and injured a whole slew of others uh was uh, apparently mistaken as a U.S. drone. The Wall Street Journal initially reported on this development Monday that the U.S. officials confirmed the information uh, that it was con- uh, that it confused the Iranian proxy drone uh, with the United States drone. A U.S. official told Fox News that the American drone and the attacking drone were roughly in the same vicinity of each other, according to U.S. officials who spoke to the Journal. Uh, The enemy drone was launched from Iraq by a militia backed by Tehran, but Iran rejected those baseless claims uh, and uh, claiming that it was linked to the attack. Lloyd Austin is back from the hospital. Yeehaw. He's back in action. He addressed the attack and he said, let me start by let me start with my outrage and sorrow for the deaths of the of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan and for the other troops who were wounded. The president and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces, and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. He said that while attending a meeto with Jen Stoltenberg, uh, NATO uh, secretary there. So here you go. The U.S. will not tolerate these attacks, which is rather ironic because that attack marked the 160th attack on U.S. forces since mid-October of last year. So, uh, Apparently, we 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 will we will accept we will allow some attacks, I guess. But this is the kind of crap, like I said, Hesh, and I, I know you ha- I know you're chomping at the bit to get in on this, so I want to hear your take. But this is the stuff that, 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 that these are the uh, the the the, the uh, pipe dreams of people like Lindsey Graham that just want to immediately get into a war. There's already calls to take take the war directly to Tehran. Uh, while at the same time, they're saying, yeah, but we don't want to escalate. Uh, <laughs> what is your take on all of this, Brian? Uh, yeah, I've seen the the psychopaths, the the bomb, 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 Iran people out there, our politicians, a couple senators in particular, pushing for that. 
And uh, yeah, I'm always, you know, I'll start by saying that uh, it's always a bummer to hear that we've lost soldiers in some of these places. I always wonder, like, why, why are, why, why do we have soldiers in Jordan in the first place? Is there some conflict there that my Congress has signed on to that I'm not aware of, or what's the deal with this? You know, um, so that part is uh, disturbing. And also, I'm getting a little tired of the media talking about Iran proxies because <laughs> these are these are turning into allies. Like there is an a bit of an allied coalition forming amongst Middle Eastern countries right now, and I think it's a little bit uh, uh, non-descriptive to call them all proxies. You know, when we're starting to see this coalition between Iran and Yemen and Jordan, you know, and all these different countries. Uh, it's, it's, I think it downplays the danger of a united front that could form in the Middle Eastern countries uh, to, to Americans here, Steve. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Of course it is. You know, they're not, I mean, they are, they are proxies, but they are allies. And, you know, it's important to understand that they were all on their back foot four years ago, all of them. Iran was financially tapped. Um, but we've we've uh, given them bucket loads of money uh, since Biden took over. They've in turn used that money to buy weaponry and to buy uh, drones, apparently, uh, and attack our forces wherever they may be. Everybody knows what Iran wants. They want instability in the Middle East, and they're going to get it, it looks like. And uh, I'm with you, though. Why, why do we have so many forward deployments? Um I understand that, you know, that that region of the world is very important, but man, oh, man, I mean, you're just a sitting duck for Iran uh, and their allies, as you rightly say. It's it's our foreign policy. Our foreign policy since 9-11 has utterly disrupted the Middle East. I mean, talk about a country causing instability in the Middle East. That's NATO. That's the U.S. That's France. That's the U.K., you know, so uh, for us to be you know, um, high horsed and surprised that uh, our forces are getting attacked there after everything that's happened in the last 21 years is uh, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Well, that's true. And I, and I've, I've often, you know, this is, a, this is a reason why, you know, a lot of people are going to have to wrap this up, but this is the reason why people can badmouth Trump all they want. But one thing that Trump made damn sure to do was he made sure to let Iran know that we're that they're using this this Palestinian situation as a that's the excuse they need. They didn't even need that, but that's what they're hanging it all on. And Trump at least put them in their place and said, "Look, we're coming back to the Palestinian issue right now. We're going to work out a general peace for the entire region, and then we can go nitpick at Palestine and that stuff going back. You know, that's been going back for literally centuries." Uh, we'll talk about that later. But Iran doesn't want that, and Biden has played right into their hands, and it's stupid foreign policy, and it's and uh, at least NATO's on it. I don't know. It's uh, rather uh, disturbing, to say the very least. Hey, if you missed your favorite TNT show or maybe your favorite interview, you're waiting to see somebody, well, it's no problem, man. All you got to do is simply listen back whenever you want, wherever you want. Just hit the episodes page on the TNT website, We're also, of course, on all the podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now there's no reason at all for you to miss out on anything on today's News Talk TNT. 
bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, right. so we're back. What's up? Has so much to talk about, Steve. There's so yeah, much to talk in, about. Man. Yeah, we're both just chomping at the bit here, man. Um, sorry to steamroll you there, but I just can't help it, man. I, I gotta go first things last or last things first on our list here. This one just bothered me and I had to jump right in. DEI priorities interfere with FBI hiring and undercut national security, a new report claims. Now, Steve, before I even read you any of this, I mean, the headline pretty much says it all, and does that not sound exactly like the same situation that we've talked about with schools, with the Army, with the Navy? I mean, the list goes on and and all the way down to the Fortune 100 and your local school. Yeah, yeah, of course it does it. DEI is a feel-good policy for people that don't think much. Uh, I just, I've never understood it. I, you know, so you know what it is, Hesh? It's like you can, we can never get over the stain of slavery. 500 years down the road, we're going to be talking about this. Never mind the fact that almost every country on the planet at one day engaged in this kind of crap. But this is just liberals uh, d- doing liberal things. Uh, uh, you know, uh, singing to the, singing to this, uh, they're all singing from the same uh, choir book. And they're all joining that group of we care more than you do. And it has real life consequences. And this is a dive into the story and tell us a little bit about it, because I know it's ugly. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. So recently disclosed report by an alliance of retired and active duty FBI agents uh, and analysts are claiming that uh, there's a concerning decline in FBI recruitment standards due to all this DEI stuff. And uh, I mean, it's obvious, you know, that's obviously a national security issue. And, you know, before I even I don't even know if I care to read any more of this. It's like I get the gist of it when it comes to the FBI, Steve. This is a massive danger. I don't even care what's in this report, to be quite frank with you, man. It's like if they're using DEI and we know they are we've seen this at uh we've seen it at NAVC we've seen it at CIA we've seen it at FBI uh they put out advertisements right they put out recruiting advertisements look how diverse we are look how cool we are you know we're seeing it in the White House exactly so so this is just like an open and we it would be one thing if this was all just about inclusion and whatnot but it's absolutely not because this this is a weaponized we know anyone with eyes and ears who's paying attention at this point knows that this organization has been weaponized against the american public largely under the tenets of marxism which is the overall umbrella that dei and crt and much of all this other bullcrap you know funnels down from so it's like now they're institutionalizing these ideologies these identity politics into the people with the guns and badges that write the reports you know go to the court hearings and this kind of stuff so that is just in and of itself enough for me on that story steve yeah well i agree it's frustrating diversity equity and inclusion unless unless check 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 you're right. I mean, you can't, you know, uh, cis white male, no. Uh, overachieving Asian American, no. Transgender black, yes, yes. yes we please. need more of that. We need more of that in the NSA and in the FBI. Yes, we need that. It's absurd. How about we go back to uh, merit-based uh, 
uh, hirings. That might be an right. Idea. Like, do you have a degree in criminal justice? Do you have experience? You know, what are what are your opinions on on justice and law and and this kind of thing? Yeah. You know, but but none of that. I'm sure that stuff's stuck in there under you know check all those boxes, right? Exactly right. And not only that, Ash, this is a perfect, this dovetails into the story that I put on the top here for this little block. And that is, did you see what's going on? Now, this is just goes to show you, this is, these people are like in a cult with this DEI uh, and and all of this stuff. Uh, They they really wrap themselves in it. Uh, Law and Order, the show that's been on for, I don't know, what, 80 years now? It seems like Law and Order, they've got so many different spinoffs of that series. But Law and Order uh, recently went viral uh, for an ep- for the most recent episode. Apparently, it involves a woman who was raped, and she's a white woman, a young, attractive, thirty-something-year-old, and she's raped, and she will not file charges because the rapist is an African American, and she's afraid that he will just become a victim of the systemic system of racism. So she accepts the rape, I guess, because she doesn't want to victimize him anymore. Now, doesn't that sound a whole lot like moralizing and telling people the way they should feel? Uh, I tell you what, a rapist is a rapist is a rapist. I don't give a damn about the color. I just don't want them living in my neighborhood or anywhere near my kids. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's where Hollywood goes. And that is so ridiculous also because currently, you know, if I were to do a search right now, I could bring up five, six, a dozen different headlines and cases where a male, a biological male redefines himself as a female and gets put in a women's prison, right? And then rapes women in the prison, right? Like this is going on in, in prisons. This is going on in workplaces. It's going on in colleges and schools, uh, sporting events. Um, but you know, law and order comes through with their whole, you know, adding their little brick to the wall of D I E I mean, D E I. And it's, it's just the, the culture war, cultural warfare in our mass media and our Hollywood media is really insane steve i mean this is a great example of it you know it may sound sort of benign or just like whatever but at the same time it's like look at the messaging that you're supporting there it's it's a messaging that supports chaos violence violence against women and you know that's it's just another example of everything being inverted well, it absolutely is. And, and more than anything else, it tells me that a whole bunch of screenwriters in Hollywood are on a virtue signaling kick and they're trying to show that they get it. We're rich Hollywood screenwriters and we feel your pain. So we're going to write a story uh, that reflects that pain. Uh, and by the way, the woman who was a victim here, here, let me just give you the story. It was on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I don't know that I've ever watched the show, but there it is. Uh, The the episode was uh, entitled Truth Embargo. It aired January 25th. The character, uh, Natalie, is a white woman. She's raped in a dressing room during a smash and grab robbery at a clothing store at the hospital. Her character, Natalie, the character, denies uh, seeing her rapist's face despite video camera footage showing the man removing his mask before entering the dressing room. 
Eventually, she reluctantly identifies the attacker as a black man named Jay Watson, blah, blah, blah. It goes on. But the point is, is they quickly shift the the whole theme of the show into this woman's moral dilemma. What should I do? Now, I don't know how many women would, would think that way. But, boy, you talk about kind of dumping it in her lap. I mean, what a stupid storyline. Uh, yeah. What kind of a message is that sending to to, to victims of rape? No, it's what, absolutely what kind of, disgusting. I mean, it's just so pathetic. But that's where they're at. I mean, and and this is the one thing I will say. If You know you know me, here I am, Asher, looking for the silver lining. They make it so blatantly obvious that, uh, anybody can see through this, and this is exactly why this episode got dragged on social media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Well, uh, once again, Hollywood, you've done yourself uh, dirty and done the American public dirty. All right, let's get to our next guest in a moment here. We're going to be talking with Amy Peacock after this at today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Misty Winston. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while ex exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done. And in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Yes, monetization. It's a huge topic for content creators online. In particular, you may recall the heyday of YouTube's partner system. Before the Trump era, it was sort of a uh, newfound field of dreams for many content creators. They had their whole AdSense thing and... It kind of made, uh, it, it seemed like a beautiful relationship at first. And um, Google, Alphabet, I suppose these days, they were uh, shrewd, very shrewd about that in the sense that all these people, you and I and all the people that you watch on YouTube, piled all this content in there, piled their hearts and souls in there, piled their creativity in there, and it brought more eyeballs. It brought more people and it exploded. It turned into this huge place. It became the number one search engine on the internet. And it was neat for a minute there. You'd see people 
um, doing exopolitics or maybe geopolitics that you'd never heard of before. And they could monetize it simply by you watching it. It really kind of felt good for a minute there. And then Trump came along <laughs> and then COVID came along and then Hunter Biden's laptop came along and then all the chat rooms with all the trolls came along funded by NGOs and but the adpocalypse came along and boom, you're demonetized and deranked in the search, deranked in the SEO, visibility filtered, and boom, everybody scrambles, tries to figure out where they can still do content and make money. And that is why we have brought our friend Amy Peacock back, CPO of BitChute, to discuss this because there's some new developments here. Amy, welcome back to State of the Nation. What can you say uh, as far as news in this regard? Because BitChute has some exciting news. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back, Brian and Steve, by the way. So um, I have a great announcement to make, which is that we are launching a sister company called PayShoot. And PayShoot, if you can, you can go actually take a look at it right now. This is exclusive for you guys, right? We have a little bit of a soft launch. We're having official launch starting tomorrow. But you can go right now to PayShoot.com and get a preview of what this is. This is a platform for monetization, not just of videos on BitChute, but of course that was the initial instigation for this is that we wanted to create a place where the people who upload their videos to BitChute can monetize them in a way that isn't going to be arbitrarily censored the way that you are seeing uh, sometimes on other platforms. As you know, the BitChute terms of service are a lot more open, a lot more consistent with First Amendment protections for speech than are the YouTube slash Google universe. Um, you know, whereas of course we comply with the law in any jurisdiction where we have the platform, we are not going to censor according to our own terms of service for hate speech or so-called misinformation. Those are the the two biggies these days, right? Um, Similarly for PayShoot, so PayShoot, you can come on if you are a creator on BitShoot, but you could be a creator of, um, you know, written content as well. You could be an artist, you could be any sort of creator, public intellectual or influencer. You can create a community on BitChute. You can offer subscriptions according to your own tailored tier system, or you can make it for free, which is one of the tiers that I'm starting out with uh, personally, just that I call it the uh, just looking tier. But you know, you can share your content there. You can find people who want to support you, and they can support you. One of the things that I think is really exciting about the platform is that we do have it as a token-based platform, which allows the users to purchase tokens in batches, incur the transaction fee only that one time and then disperse, you know, in payments according to the size of their choosing to the various creators that they want to follow and support. So I, I like that feature of it. And then the other thing that we're going to have, and again, this is, you get the preview for you guys, but um, we have a feature that's called Chat Bomb. And Chat Bomb is similar to a YouTube Super Chat, except for the fact that not only is it going to allow real-time you know, tips with questions during a live stream that's coming soon on BitChute. But also you can just send one of these chat bombs to the influencer at any time. And so you can attach it with your little question or note, and then they can write you back and you can ask at any point. Um, I don't know if you've 
followed the philosopher Ayn Rand very much, uh, but she used to have this concept. She called it taxicab thoughts. And she called it taxicab thoughts because she lived in New York City and she'd go and she'd give an interview somewhere. And then she'd be taking the taxicab home and she'd say, oh God, I wish I had said whatever it was, you know, or I could have answered that question better if I just said this one thing. Those were her taxicab thoughts. And many times, you know, you're watching your favorite live streamer and you're you know listening and maybe you even asked a question or two during it but you thought god if i had just thought to ask this one other question i really wanted to ask that you can send it at two in the morning on payshoot it's the chat bomb and then the next time they have a live stream they can take up the questions that they didn't get to on the prior one so i i like that feature a lot um there's going to be a lot more coming soon as well that's great, uh, Amy. Uh, congratulations on that. I'm sure it's going to be very successful for you guys over at BitChute. And you mentioned that you, you you guys comply with all the laws, federal, state laws, which I get. I think uh, what, what a lot of people are, are wary of, especially with this news coming out today that the NSA is buying people's browsing history and stuff, we can touch on that in a bit. But we all saw what happened pre-Elon Twitter. Uh, you kind of, you know, you let the camel's tent nose under the, uh, you know, nose under the tent flap. Next thing you know, uh, the federal government is inside the boardroom at Twitter and inside all these various, you know, uh, people that work at Twitter that are filtering and doing all this. You guys stay highly. I mean, if so, if somebody from the FBI say, let's just say Christopher Ray called, uh, called Amy Peacock tomorrow and said, mm -hmm. we wish you best of luck with, uh, with uh, bit shoot and pay shoot. Uh, by the way, we want a couple of uh, guys in there that are looking. We, we a couple of your couple of your customers are on our radar. We want to come in there and see what they're doing behind closed doors. What What do you guys say to the, the FBI if they should ever? You have to you like provide that? proper legal process if you're going to get data about our customers. There's nothing of you know that sort going on. Uh, we're not participant in any of those sort of backdoor programs that Snowden revealed PRISM and et cetera, right back in 2013. None of that at, at BitChute or PayChute, you know, very, very stringent privacy policies there. So yes, if they want data, then they would have to get it from someplace else. Obviously, you know, again, if they're using a browser and the person who provides the browser is turning the data over to the government, there's nothing that we at BitChute or PayChute can do about that per se. But no, we we ourselves have very solid privacy practices and we require proper legal process before turning information over to law enforcement or anybody else. You know, the, the sale of it, I think, should be just as illegal as the asking or et cetera, right? You know, I think always get a warrant if you are gonna get you know, information from a third party that's private in nature, you need to have probable cause and particularized suspicion. You go look at public posts, sure, all you want, but then get your process, your legal process before requesting information right. from a service yeah, provider. Yeah, that makes, uh, that's music to everybody's ears, I'm sure. Now, uh, we have a headline inbound we're going to grab. And on the other side, I want to mm -hmm. I want to get your opinion on what they want to do with that stuff. Why do you think they're buying it? Where do you think they're going with it? Why are other people selling it? And uh, what happens to those of us that have our browsing history sold? That's what I'm curious about right here on State of the Nation. It's Today's News Talk, TNT. I got a news flash for you. News flash. TNT Radio News. 
For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Iranian Foreign Ministry spokesman Nasir Kanani has denied Tehran's involvement in the drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan, which resulted in the death of three U.S. service members and left over 30 wounded. NBC's News has reported that the White House is considering the possibility of delaying or slowing down the delivery of offensive weapons to Israel. This contemplation is in response to Israel's request for additional military aid, including advanced aerial bombs and air defense systems. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. All right, Amy Peacock is our guest, and I want to recommend uh, the Don't Let It Go podcast, which is available at BitChute. And, of course, um, for if you're new, uh, when we say shoot, that's C-H-U-T-E. So pay shoot is P-A-Y-C-H-U-T-E. And, uh, with BitChute, with, it ends up being more of a challenge for people, right? But yes. Yes, if they're not familiar. But once you're familiar, once you spend five minutes on the website, it becomes you know yes. natural to, to, to hear it. But Amy, what do you think, before we took the headline there, we were talking about this NSA uh, topic. They're purchasing Americans' internet browsing history. What do you think they're doing with it? What do you, how does that affect the Americans whose browsing data has been stolen? And what can we do about it as a country? Because clearly this is just pure BS. I mean, the trend that I have been watching for a long time now, probably a decade and a half or so, if I count it, maybe I shouldn't because I'll feel old. But um, the trend that I see is that they keep taking this data and cross-linking it, cross-referencing it with other data about Americans. So they might have your browsing history. And then there was the news story, I think, from last week where they talked about the fact that they were getting... Um, purchase history about people from banks if they sit you know purchase anything that had maga related to it or whatever so imagine if they link your browsing history to the data that they're getting from the banks and in the you know this huge database about you and the way i always talk about it have i talked to you guys about bentham's panopticon yet no i don't no, think tell so us about it okay so this is one of my big uh, kind of pet peeves. So Jeremy Bentham, the philosopher, the British philosopher, conceived of something he called the panopticon. It was a design for a prison. And the idea was that each of the floors was sort of a circular configuration. And in the very center of the floor, you would have a place where a guard could stay. And out, you know, emanating from that center floor or center chamber, there would be all of these spokes of a wheel that were hallways, and you'd have the cells of all the prisoners along the hallways. And the idea was that one guard in the middle could be watching all of those prisoners basically 24-7. All you had to do was have one guard station in the middle. And in the privacy field, the pe those of us who advocate for protection of citizens' privacy vis-a-vis -vis the government, we always talk about the panopticon, that more and more people are living in the panopticon. They are being supervised 24-7 by their government. And these days, one way that you can be supervised quite effectively is if the government sucks up all that information that is shared with so-called third parties. Internet browsing is just one example of it. But you know anything that you do as you go about your daily life anymore, you are sharing some bit of information with a third party. If the government can collect all of that together, then it's got this picture of what you're doing all day long. 
Yeah. That's a very scary, uh, very scary uh, notion. It's Orwellian in so many ways. And, you know, I, I guess the government is taking advantage of what I think we could still probably safely say is kind of the wild, wild west early days of Internet communications. Not so much anymore, but it hasn't been around for a whole hell of a long time. It's not regulated very well. So it seems like all these three letter agencies, these alphabet uh, agencies are all saying, how can we get a piece of that? And I know that there's some people out there that would say, well, I don't do anything illegal. Feel free. Go look through my stuff. I don't give a rip. Well, they're really kind of missing the forest for the trees, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. these same folks that are screaming stuff like that and saying, oh, I believe, you know, I, I, I know it's all in good faith. Whatever happened to the civil liberties that we used to enjoy as Americans? Where did where did where did that talk go? It seems to be kind of in, gone into the ether on this subject. Nobody seems to really give a damn. But now all of a sudden. NSA purchasing American internet browsing history. I mean, good God, what could they do with all that? They could use it to destroy you if they so chose. I mean, people can say whatever they want. And in fact, of course, I'm, you know, very principled myself and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I routinely flip off the NSA into cameras, you know, when I think about it. But nonetheless, if you know in the back of your mind that they could be watching you at any time from any of these devices or, you know, again, your browsing history or anything else, you're going to have that little bit of self-consciousness that is going to make you act a bit differently than you otherwise would. And I submit that there are values in human life that are lost when people have less privacy. Um, We've seen this, there's a book called uh, Quiet by Susan Cain. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but one of the things she talks about in there is the fact that people are more productive when they have privacy. And productivity is of course, just one example. If you wanna share values with a select group of people and know that you're sharing with only those people, you need to have privacy, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, people can say what they want that they don't care, But I think if they did a bit more introspection, they would realize that something is definitely being lost here. Yeah, it would be nice if, uh, you know, we could sort of audit our own files. Like if they want to illegally violate our privacy, right? They want to mess with our Fourth Amendment under the auspices of, well, it's a private company that you agreed to to deal with. And we're, you know, just this entity that's doing more business with that private company. It's like they try to just put all the onus on the tech user as having given away their rights by simply clicking I agree or something like this. But it's like it's a fundamental violation. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, what did you agree to, though? Right. You agreed to share for a limited purpose. And I've plugged this before, I know on your show, I've got that paper that's pinned to the top of my X feed, where I talk about the fact that if you share information for a limited purpose, the government doesn't have justification of taking it without a warrant. Again, probable cause, particularized suspicion, that's what the Fourth Amendment is about before they can investigate you. And we need to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I got to say, I was watching uh, Fox News this morning and they brought this subject up and uh, former Congressman Jason Chaffetz was on there and he he basically said, I got news for you. We're hearing about this now. This has been going on for a long time and the sure. NSA is far 
said the NSA is far from the only government agency doing this. He said, I can tell you the IRS does the same thing. I mean, this is whole, I think Hesher brought it up. This is a violation of our Fourth Amendment rights. But because there are so few regulations on the Internet, because of I don't know if it's Section 230 or whatever, whatever, whatever loophole the government. It's all finds, the third party doctrine, Steve. It's the third party it doctrine so, that makes this possible. And that's what my paper is about. And that's why I keep plugging it. Yep. Yeah. So so third parties, I, I guess they can sell this stuff to the government. Or they sell can be it, con- give it, etc. Or coerced yeah. into giving it. God, it's just, I mean, I, I it really is. You brought up Ayn Rand. I mean, uh, Ayn Rand. I mean, that's exactly, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm reading a cross between her book and Orwell and maybe uh, throw in a little Brave New World, and here we are. All the news every day is like that, I'm afraid. But yes, I think in this case, there's a solution. And if somebody has standing to challenge these things, Please do. I want to get in there. I want to help write an amicus brief at least. And let's get this overturned because it can be. Well, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I think that so. would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need that. All right, Amy, thank you so much for joining us once again here on State of the Nation. We always appreciate you and value your subject matter expertise in these tech regards, censorship regards. Uh, the culture of streaming, you know, we really got to keep an eye on it. We got to keep it free. We want to keep that creative energy coming. So again, uh, if you're not already on BitChute, go check it out and check out PayShoot. You as a viewer of State of the Nation got, you know, you got the news a day early. So you can get in there a day before the launch. And of course, uh, check out the Don't Let It Go podcast over there on BitChute. Thank you once again, Amy. We look forward to your next appearance here at State of the Nation on today's new talk, TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to Parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. Food isn't just fuel to live, it's fuel to grow. My family relied on public assistance to help provide meals for us. These meals fueled my involvement in theater and the arts as a child, which fostered my love for acting. The Feeding America network of food banks helps millions of people put food on the table. When people are fed, futures are nourished. Join the movement to end hunger, and together we can open endless possibilities for people to thrive. Visit feedingamerica.org slash act now. Conversations about what matters the most. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. We're very happy to welcome back to the program Our next guest, David Grasso, he's an independent journalist, and we want to talk about the border and what's going on with the Senate and apparently uh, the White House. They've got these big plans together after weeks of closed-door negotiations. The White House and a trio of senators could unveil an agreement early this week 
uh, that uh, at least that's what sources are saying now. It may get scuttled. Who knows? Uh, but apparently this bill would give uh, the White House, the executive branch, new legal authority to effectively suspend asylum between official ports of entry when migrant crossings surpass a certain number uh, and that's the problem right there, the certain number, the power of which Mr. Biden referred to as an authority to, quote, shut down the border on Friday would be mandated after average daily migrant crossings hit 5,000 over seven days or 8,500 in a single day. It could also be activated on a discretionary basis after average daily crossings surpass 4,000 in a week's. Uh, in a week. Now, here at State of the Nation, we're asking the question, uh, should this be considered a solution? How about how about the amount crossing uh, go down to zero? Maybe that would be a start. Let's talk to David Grasso about it. Hello, David. Uh, welcome back to the show, my friend. It's good to see you. Happy Monday to you, man. Yeah, happy Monday to you, gentlemen, too. Immigration is one of those issues like healthcare that we want to tackle it with one plan, but it's a complex problem in this country and it's necessary to our economy, but we need more balance and moderation when it comes to immigration policy. And it really depends on what you're talking about. It's really hard to say you're pro immigration or anti immigration. It really depends on what you're talking about. Don't you? Th- yeah. I, I totally resonate with what you're saying right there because I got into this story and I was like, Okay, we're going to sh- he says he wants to shut it down. That's a chin scratcher for a moment. And then you see the numbers there and it's like it's not really what you would normally call shutting it down to say, well, we've reached 8,500 this week, so we're, we're going to it's like you put your finger in the levy for, you know, what, till till Monday, like between Friday and Monday. I mean, it I'm not really understanding exactly why this would be a bipartisan solution i mean is it does it am i alone here or does it feel to you like it's sort of i mean i know it's not out yet but does it feel like it's kind of missing some context or something the way it's being uh, reported right now well if it might feel to you guys like it's not going far enough but really it is the first step if you ask liberals or democrats what they feel about this they're going to say it's a gift for republicans and republicans are going to say oh, this is just, you know, a Democratic wish list and doesn't go far enough in stopping the problem. Really, this is the fundamental problem we have with policymaking right now, is that no one has ever happened. I think this is a great first step. Our asylum laws were written in a different era, and they're currently being abused by certain people who come to the border and ask for asylum. We do need immigration. Our birth rate is below replacement. We need a plan for people who are already in this country. um, And we need a plan to make sure that our economy works. And those are competing you know, narratives that sometimes undermine the ability for us to arrive at a solution. To me, this is a good first step. Is it everything that everyone wants? Absolutely not. But that's the whole game of politics is compromise. And really that even the Biden administration is considering a plan that would have smelled of Republican probably 20 years ago is a really, really first good step. Like Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing you should do is admit you have a problem. And I feel like we've arrived. Well, I, I get that, David. And I, and, I, and I agree that you do have to kind of, this is this is like eating an elephant, you know, uh, one bite at a time. We get all that. The problem is, is for three plus years, we have had a red carpet on our southern border. And anybody that says, like Mayorkas, that says, no, we don't. And by the way, the House is going to impeach him. It's going to die in the Senate. 
But I think a lot of Americans look at this and say, okay, now you've just told the drug cartels that they can only limit their illegal human smuggling operations to 5,000 a day. So they're going to make money on the back end of that, and nobody's going to be happy. And if it weren't for the previous three and a half years of wide open southern borders, well, we've got everybody from Christopher Ray to people, to all intelligence officers, say, their hair's on fire, saying we have effectively been invaded. And when it comes, we're going to all notice it. And now we're talking about, well, we need them. We need them here. Well, we need them here, but we let a whole bunch in and didn't even look at them. Didn't even, didn't even well, look at them. I think so it's how really do we address bizarre, it? This, I think it's really bizarre that the, that the far left considers that this isn't a problem. Like Senator John Fetterman, a Democrat of Pennsylvania said, you know, he's married to a formerly undocumented immigrant. By the way, so am I. We have that in common. But I still believe that we have to have rules. We are a nation of rules and laws. And we have to figure out, you know, tangible ways to make the situation better. I'm also the son of Cuban refugees. You realize in the past three years or four years since the pandemic, about 4% of the population of Cuba has left. And guess where they are? They're mostly here. And they've arrived at the southern border because Obama, funny enough, repealed the wet foot, dry foot policy, which was, of course, if Cubans came on rafts and touched dry land, they were entitled to adjust their status. Uh, Cuban migration isn't going away because of something called the Cuban Adjustment Act that's been codified for decades in America. But we also know that places like Venezuela and other places that are politically challenging situations, people are migrating. But this is the important part. They're not migrating for political reasons. They're migrating for economic reasons. And our border policy should reflect the difference between that. These people are not looking for asylum. They're looking for jobs. And that's very laudable and notable, but that wasn't the purpose of our asylum laws when they were created dec decades ago. Yeah, so that kind of, I, I hear I hear what you're saying there, and it makes me wonder, it's like, okay, there's so many things that are broken about this system. I think everybody would probably agree on that. And But what we're seeing here, the thing that bothers me about this is the Biden administration is asking for 14 billion dollars to fund um, further border operations and hire additional asylum officers and border agents and immigration judges like to me that sounds like a buttload of red tape a buttload of bureaucracy a whole bunch of new money going to all these new positions and it just feels like wait a minute maybe like what if we started with a transparency act where it was like you're you know Americans could actually see the way the the process is being proposed to be changed in in you know plain English that everybody can understand and you know and and run that through our our congress people and our senators and make sure that actual representation is happening instead of just trusting the Biden administration or any other administration for that matter you could even insert Trump here if he's asking for 14 billion dollars to do a program like this, I would want to see the receipts and the details. I mean, what what do you think about that? Is there a vulnerability here? Well, I can here? tell you, I can tell you that the immigration system is backed up and desperately needs help. If you talk to anyone who owns a beachfront condo in Mexico, Arizonans Beach, Arizona has a beach. Funny enough, it's in Mexico. We call it Puerto Peñasco in Spanish. It's called Rocky Point in English. You know what Customs and Border Protection did recently? They closed the border because of lack of staffing. And mind you, most people that own a condo on that part of the Sea of Cortez are usually red, 
blooded American Republicans from Arizona. And they're pretty mad that the, that those custom and border agents have been deployed to other areas to process asylum claims. So immigration isn't just going one way. It's also about going the other way. We have a free trade agreement with Mexico. We They are our most economic partner, along with Canada, ahead of China, contrary to popular belief. So we need an immigration system that works. Also, we haven't been politically mature enough to have a guest worker program. That's always been, you know, the taboo. I would highly suggest we have one. Most successful countries have those. But again, these are grown-up conversations that need to happen, and sometimes they're painful for either side to arrive at a conclusion that works. And that's what we really need right now. Well, David, let me let me just – I can just speak from my own perspective on this, but I think I think it's reflective of what a lot of people think. Basically, what we've seen, and this goes back more than one administration, to be to be fair, although Trump really did tighten that border. Nobody can deny that. But what we've seen over the last three plus years is a cloward and piven maneuver to basically destroy the immigration process. I know it needs overhauling. We all know it. And, and of course, it's a political hot potato has been for over a quarter of a century. But now we've got a situation where People can't don't have the ICE agents and don't have the Border Patrol because they're busy processing others. And Biden and the and the Democrats are essentially saying, look, if you want to fix immigration, we need to start with a comprehensive immigration policy. How about we start with a comprehensive border security policy and then take the other bite of the elephant and work on the comprehensive immigration status? I think we could all agree that the border is wide open. And it's wide open for a reason. And the funny thing is, and part of the reason that people have a tough time with this bill from Langford is because we know who he worked with. He worked with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is a, is, is a lapdog of the Chamber of Commerce. And I know that we need these employees, but Americans are getting fed up with seeing emergency rooms flooded, their schools systems and school districts uh, destroyed or greatly underfunded in dealing with people that English isn't even a third language in some of these instances. And we're just told, well, you know, until we get a comprehensive immigration reform, none of this is going to be fixed. That doesn't seem so, to cut it with a lot of people. I think the Democrats have misallocated their efforts I feel like a lot of reasonable Republicans would be for a comprehensive immigration reform to deal with the people who are already here. And if you talk to immigrants like my parents, like my spouse, everyone in my family, they are very confused at a policy that, you know, elevates people who came across the border yesterday versus people who have been here for 25 years, regardless of their status. And I think that would have been a major win for Democrats if they had focused on the people who are already here and contributing to the economy and paying taxes instead of welcoming people uh, through an abuse of asylum laws. And I think that's something we can all agree upon. And, you know, we do need immigration. We need the right type of immigrants. We need a secure border. And we need to make sure that we're not having these situations like they're having in New York and Chicago right now, in which they're being overrun by asylum seekers. And that's unfair to those cities. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you know, that's why I made the the comment about the 14 billion dollars. It's like this administration and you know, as Steve pointed out, all the ones leading up to it have pretty much all played into this problem. And I think 
you know, I agree with everything you're saying about our immigration system, but at this point, we just buried 100,000 extra people last year because of fentanyl, and we're going to bury another 100,000 at the end of this year um, just for that one thing alone, and that doesn't even um, account for the human trafficking and misery and exploitation that's happening. So it's like, I just feel like, you know, many Americans at this point are thinking, hey, um, before we let you cut yourselves a $14 billion check, can we stop the fentanyl deaths somehow? Can we stop the human trafficking somehow? Can we get, you know, something? There's some, you know what I mean? Some pretty high ticket items some, here. We have some major issues, Brian. I mean, I go to Mexico all the time. I have a lot of family there. You know, they don't have control over 30% of their territory. Can you imagine if 30% of the United States were controlled by the cartels? There are some serious national security issues on the border, and I think everyone has to face that up. We do need a secure border, but we also need immigration policies that make sense. And I feel like that shouldn't, you know, one shouldn't collide with the other. Of course, these days, especially the media loves covering the tales of the political distribution. They love covering, you know, the far left who's like, we shouldn't have a border, and the far right who's like, we should just deport everyone. And really, fundamentally, those are both not possible. Those are those are just illegitimate political opinions because they're just not practical. So somewhere in the middle, most Americans would agree that something is needed. Yeah. Well, we've also got a situation where Jordan is now uh, Jim Jordan is now um, asking some very pointed questions about this subject, namely what happened to all of these children that DHS placed with homes Were any of these kids vetted? And were any of these homes where they were placed, were they vetted? The answer seems to be, well, we don't know. It's confusing. It's a, a lot of kids, a lot of kids. And that's what upsets people, David, because they see this and they're like, well, obviously it's broken. And obviously we need, uh, you know, some serious uh, immigration reform. Nobody's going to deny that. But they have so blundered this. As you said, they they, 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 they kind of, they, they went in the wrong direction with it right out of the gate. But it seemed to be. Now, this is just my opinion, but it seems to be that it was almost malicious. It was almost like, we're going to undo everything Trump did, and if you don't like it, you're a racist xenophobe. I've got nothing against that, uh, the, 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 the people that are coming across most of them. I have nothing against it. But I would wager that their attitudes would be a whole hell of a lot different if it was a whole bunch of Scandinavians or Europeans that were coming here with PhDs and they were financially well off that they didn't need government assistance. I bet they would have a problem with that open, unfettered immigration. Uh, I think what we need to do is focus on the solutions to this, right? What can we do to make sure that our economy is sustainable? What can we do to make sure that the border is secure? What can we do to get government out of the way? And additionally, should we be penalizing individual people for wanting jobs or should we be going after corporations for hiring undocumented people? I, yeah, would, I would choose the latter. If, if really, if Republicans really wanna step up to the plate, they should do that because you should never hold it against someone for wanting a brighter economic future. You should hold it against corporations for breaking federal law. And that's my yeah. personal opinion. And I think it's really easy to go after this invisible common man. I grew up speaking Spanish, so I talked to a lot of these people and you can't blame them. They just want a damn job. I mean, sure. uh, humans will always want economic freedom. As people who live in the United States, whose people came here, we all understand that. Nevertheless, 
companies exploit these people, it lowers wages, and they should not be allowed to do that. Well, David, listen, your points are well made, and absolutely, I think both Hesher and I concur with that, especially these companies that are hiring them in mass. David Grasso, thank you. Uh, listen, thanks for joining us again. We hope to have you back on State of the Nation real soon. Have a wonderful day, and thanks for your input today, brother. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Okay, take care. There he goes. That's David Grasso.